I remind you of the Apostle Paul's appeal to those who've trusted in Jesus Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We, over the last few weeks, have been focusing on those two verses of Scripture to move us to experience the walk. Paul would encourage those who have trusted in Jesus to walk in Him. Okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? How does a person walk in Jesus? Well, throughout the series, my prayer is that we'll discover what that means. And a part of that has been to encourage you to actively read through the book of Colossians. Because as we do that, I'm convinced we'll experience more and more what it means to walk in Jesus Christ. But this morning, again, in a simple way, what does it involve? Let's be straightforward. It certainly is going to require faith. I mean, the journey begins in faith. We respond to who Jesus is, trusting in what is said about him, and as Paul would characterize it, then receiving him as we embrace the gospel, the good news. And yet, where it begins in faith, let's never lose sight. It will always require us to continue in faith. That to walk in Jesus Christ means I'm going to relate to God day by day from a heart of faith. I'm going to turn to God actively because my faith moves me to respond to him in that way. It starts and continues in faith. Well, what more then will help us to walk in Jesus? Well, today I want us to consider an aspect of faith that will help us to experience that. I want us to consider the role of prayer in the walk in Jesus. I would argue that you're not going to actively walk in Jesus apart from prayer in a personal way. It necessitates prayer. And those of you that have been reading with us through the book of Colossians, you probably have already picked up on that. Uh, we are in our fourth reading of the letter, if you started with us at the beginning. And every time you read chapter 1, you, you probably notice that Paul emphasizes prayer in his life, and I think what he's trying to do is model prayer for us. If you have your Bible, I want us to, to consider where that's described. It's highlighted in verses 9 through 12 of chapter 1. Listen to what Paul writes. And so... From the day we heard, now he's referring to, as soon as I became aware of your faith in Jesus, as soon as we were told by Epaphras, who was instrumental in helping them respond to Jesus, as soon as we became knowledgeable of your journey of faith, notice, we have not ceased to pray for you. That Paul, if you look at his example, models a pattern of prayer. Now, I would argue he certainly had a personalized prayer for himself, but he wasn't selfish in that. We should learn that we, as we pray, need to always keep in mind the needs of others too. 
He says, as soon as I became aware of your journey, I added you to my prayer list. I began to actively pray for you. Now, again, I would say if we want to walk in Jesus, let's realize it's going to involve an element of prayer where we're personally turning to God on our behalf, and I trust we're likewise praying for others too. That our faith moves us to be a people of prayer. Well, what is it, though, Paul is praying for? Now, this is instructive. Look at verse, not, uh, verse 10, or still in verse 9, rather, asking that you, speaking to these believers may be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, as to walk in a manner, notice the language, so that you're going to walk the life you're supposed to be walking, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, he adds, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened, verse 11, with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks, he adds in verse 12, to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, I'm fascinated by this, as Paul begins to pray for these new believers, just imagine all of the possibilities of what he would have prayed for. He is, however, very focused on how he intercedes for them. He recognizes that in their life, there probably is no greater need than for them individually to recognize a path that they should follow. He's praying that they'll gain perspective and see in front of them the path that the Lord has for them. Now, that's noteworthy to me. What's more, of all the things he could have been praying for them, he's praying that they would see the path as believers and followers of Jesus Christ that they should follow. Now, look again at how that's worded, taking you back to the middle of verse 9. Asking, Paul says, and the verb there suggests a continuous asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, let me pause there. This term fear, filled is a very descriptive word. It's a word that we understand. Imagine setting a glass on your kitchen table and taking out a pitcher of water, and you begin to pour the water into the glass until it spills over. It is completely full. That's the term that Paul is using in describing how his prayer for these believers is that God would pour into them a knowledge of his will that reaches the saturation point. It reaches a point where it flows over. One other comment about this particular verb, at other places in the New Testament, the verb is used to describe, for example, a person filled with sorrow. And the point being that when a person is filled with sorrow, the expectation is that that will then influence what they do, right? They're full of sorrow, and so it influences behavior. In another instance, the verb is used to describe someone who's filled with rage, with the 
implication, having been filled with rage, sadly, it's begun to influence them in what they do. Well, in this case, what Paul's praying for is that they would be so filled inwardly by the knowledge of God's will that it would consequently then influence what they do. Now, again, look at the language of it. He wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, the word knowledge, there are different words in the New Testament that are translated into English knowledge. There's the Greek word gnosis, which is kind of a general word for knowledge. Then there's the Greek word epignosis, which is underscoring a full or deep knowledge. Well, what Paul's praying for here on behalf of these believers isn't just a general knowledge. He wants that knowledge that comes deep from within the heart of God, that deep, full knowledge that would fill them up so that now they can see what they need to see so that they can recognize a path that's in front of them. And so his prayer, now God, you, you fill them up to the saturation point with that deep understanding of who you are so that they know what to do. Now he does expand the thought when he says, I want them to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Meaning that it's not just this kind of general information, but instead it's a, an awareness that helps them see the path and understanding even the, the timeliness of the path. I mean, he wants them to see in front of them exactly what would be on God's heart for them to do. Now, we talked about a recognition of God's will, I guess a... Back in 2018, I did a series on discovering God's will. Some of you hopefully will recall the series. Uh, I'm not going to test you. But in the series, I highlighted a verse and shared with you that in my life, it's a verse that God repeatedly uses to help me in my own personal journey. The verse is found in the New Testament book of James, chapter 1 and verse 5. Now, just as a further comment, uh, Lord willing... Right after Easter, we're going to begin a new series of lessons based on Paul or James' letter to the church. And so uh, we'll probably be coming back to this in future months. But listen to what he says in verse 5 and be encouraged. This is what he writes. If any of you, speaking to believers, once again, this isn't just a general uh, offer to anyone and everyone. He is writing to those who've come to trust in Jesus Christ, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, now, if any of you lacks wisdom, here's the appeal. Let him, let her ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Now, I'm so glad that phrase is there because what he's saying is he's saying God's willing to provide wisdom to those that previously had ignored it. He's generous without reproach. He's not going to say, listen, I tried to help you before and you totally ignored what I said, so I'm not going to give you any more insight. No, that's not the heart of God. He wants to meet us in the journey, even in the midst of our imperfections. And he says, if you will ask me, this is what he will do. It will be given him. Now, is that clear? 
I think that's clear. God wants to help us know the path that's in front of us. Now, James does add, and I can't ignore it, verse 6, but the person let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts, he explains, is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. So when you look at what is being described here, James is largely highlighting what Paul is praying for. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. What is Paul praying? Look at it again. His language is direct. He says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That there is for the believer an opportunity to receive from God a wisdom that helps them to find the path, you see. Now, as I'm describing this, let's, let's try to kind of remove the mystery of what's being described. I mean, how does that practically work? I mean, how does a person hear the wisdom of God? Let me say, it's not going to be an audible voice. I still allow for the possibility of that. I, I think I'd be scared out of, out of my wits if God audibly spoke to me. And he does, I think, still have that ability and willingness, perhaps in his time and plan to do so. But by and large, how does he speak to us? It's not audibly. But the Bible teaches, as believers, we're the recipients of his presence through the Holy Spirit. And so what he seeks to do is to, I guess nudge us, make impressions upon our minds and our hearts in a way that guide us so that through his presence, the Spirit, we might hear him. That's how it works. Um, you may not see the wall shake, but you may feel your heart stirred. You're saying, okay, Lord, you promised to give wisdom. I'm asking, would you help me now? Now, this past week, I was at a training event, a leadership training event, and of all things, they were actually talking about how to hear from the Lord. And in that discussion, an acrostic was offered to kind of coach us toward, I guess, a disposition of listening. And let me just offer the insight that was shared with me. If we want to hear, first of all, there needs to be a hunger. And I think that's true. If we're not in our heart desiring to know the will of God, then you'll not ask for it. And sadly, and how much of our life is that characteristic of what we've done? Now, sometimes we'll run to God when we're in the crisis, when we should have been hunger for, hungry for the will of God far before the crisis. We need to establish the pattern of dependence where we realize day by day we want to know what does God have for us to do. So it starts with a hunger. It also, I think, involves a willingness for us to expect. And that's, that was James's point when he says, now, when you ask, you better be asking in faith. If you don't ask with an expectation that the Spirit of God will guide you, then, then you'll not discover his will. We come before him, here's the word, in faith, asking, Lord, help me. <laughs> I'm hungry to know your will. I believe you will now Enable me to see what I need to see. You expect to hear. 
you also acknowledge him in the process. As he begins to make known in your heart an awareness of how you should act, you pause and you acknowledge the Lord in it. One of the great verses in the Old Testament or two verses is the familiar passage in Proverbs 3. You know it, where the writer says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways do what? You acknowledge him, meaning... God, you're the one who possesses an understanding that I need. I seek that from you. And even as you make it known, I acknowledge you. I affirm you. I admit I'm dependent on you. You acknowledge him. And, well, or you respond, meaning you act. If I want to consistently hear from the Lord, then I need to cultivate this mindset where I'm hungry to know what he has to say. I have an expectation he's going to reveal what he has to say. I will acknowledge him as he begins to guide my thoughts. And as I see it by grace, his help, I act upon that. I step forward. H-E-A-R-R. I hear from him. Now, let me just try to help us as we go to discover this. Give yourself some patience here, okay? <laughs> you know, it, uh, with some of us, you may be thinking, this is kind of unlike anything that I've done. Well, okay, then give God time to teach you and to encourage you. Now, let me stress, if I want to hear the Lord's will in the major moments of life, I need to establish a pattern of listening in the day-to-day -day moments of life. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, if you are tuned to his spirit's leadership, just in the day-to-day -day experiences around you, it is almost assured that you'll hear from him when you face those critical moments. And let me add to that, when it comes to the will of God, it's never hide and seek with God. He's not trying to make it hard for us to figure it out. Now, sometimes we make it harder, but he wants us to know. But will we listen? Now, all this said, we come to God hearing, but let me remind you as a person of faith we do not ask for his wisdom independently of God's word. Now, I regret that I have to say that, but I think I do. Because you see, what some people will do is they'll come to God in the midst of a life situation, and they're going to plead for a wisdom, and they're going to allow their emotions, which are there to potentially even help shape in their mind what that should be. But you see, what God's word serves for us as is a lamp to give us the perspective to discern what I'm feeling. Now, if I'm not reading from his word, it's possible, given the enormity of emotion, it's possible I may hear something that's not him, but attribute it to him. Because I feel so strongly about it. And that's always a dangerous thing, isn't it? See, this is what I said back in 2018. If you want to know the will of God, 
Seek the will of God from your knees, meaning prayer with your Bible open. That's how we find the will of God. Now we're asking, but his word serves as the lamp. David says it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Need I remind you of what the Apostle Paul says concerning the word of God? Because it, it, it is so reassuring. He says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so as we're praying, we have our Bibles open. We're allowing it to give us light. Now, I'm going to be honest in saying the Bible speaks about a lot of things, black and white, but there's a lot in life that's gray as you look at it in Scripture. And that's why from our knees, we're looking at the Word, and then we're seeking wisdom to respond to a complex and challenging life. And here's the promise. With that, we ask, and He gives, if we will listen. And so Paul says, I'm praying for you. And by that, we should learn, we should be praying for ourselves and others for the path forward. Wouldn't you agree? That's what we're looking for. God, please help us find the path forward. But Paul wasn't done. And and I, I know we could end it there, but allow me to carry on Paul's thought. Because as he's praying that they would find the wisdom of God... He emphasizes that with the path forward, there's a purpose that you must never lose sight of. Listen to how he describes the purpose of the wisdom. Go back to verse 10. The purpose is this. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now look at the verse on the screens, and let's be honest, sometimes when we approach the wisdom of God, we want to find the wisdom that makes our life a little more comfortable. Right? That's our presumption. That's why God's going to give me wisdom, so I can have a comfortable life, or a profitable life, or again, if we're not careful, we fixate on ourselves in the midst of the purpose of the wisdom. Paul says, no, I'm praying for wisdom to come from God that reveals his path so that you fulfill a higher purpose. And what is the higher purpose? Well, look at the verse. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him. Last week I said the word of God can be a lamp, can also be a mirror where we look at what God says and we see ourselves there and we kind of assess that. And I suggested now when you look in the mirror, you need to see Jesus uh, photobombing there. He's right there with you. And you see him, not with a critical gaze, you see him so that you can appreciate who he's seeking to lead you to become. And then he reaches out and puts his hand on your shoulder to reassure you he's going to help you get there. Well, Paul says, I'm praying for wisdom so that you ultimately reflect him. So that you see how his presence in your life influences you toward a particular action. And not only that, go back to the verse, 
so that you bear fruit in every good work. That's noteworthy. That the wisdom not only enables you to reflect Jesus, but it also positions you to be more fruitful in what you do. He wants to increase the impact of your life in a meaningful way. And then he throws in, and I'm glad he does, that the wisdom likewise is designed to help you discover who God is more personally. That you would increase in the knowledge, in this case, the deeper knowledge, epignosis, the, the fulfilling knowledge of who God is. So that the wisdom isn't God just throwing out kind of like a fortune cookie suggestion to you. No, the wisdom is to move you in a way that you reflect Jesus and even in doing so, you experience more of him. See, that's the purpose. And that's why we seek the wisdom. Now, if my purpose is wrong... If my goal in the asking is self-centered, then again, I'm not trying to discourage you, but I'm not sure he's going to give you the insight. I mean, going back to James, he says, some of you ask and do not receive because you ask largely with selfish motive. And it's not going to work that way. But if your heart's desire is to walk in Jesus, then... You say, Lord, I want to know your will so that I can reflect him. That I might be useful to your work in this world through me. I want that. Let me fulfill that. Now, this is where it takes off. Where you see the purpose, there's also the assurance of power. Did you notice that? I did. I, knowing my vulnerabilities, I always kind of gravitate to anything that says there's a power greater than mine. Listen to what he says. Go back to verse 10, or to verse, if I would, uh, I guess verse 11. Being strengthened with all power, according to his, God's glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Wow. So God wants to show me a path so that I can fulfill a purpose, but he's not going to just watch it happen. He offers to you a power that's greater than your own. Paul says, I'm praying that you would be strengthened, not with your own personal self-resolve, but that you would be strengthened with the power that is according to the greatness of his might. Now, if you know anything about the power of Jesus, you should know this. It's inexhaustible. So as I'm walking down this path to fulfill a larger purpose, the promise is I can then seek from God a power that's his. Now, that's, that's an amen moment. That's a hallelujah moment. I'm not on this path alone. I never was. It was always about his power. But I don't experience his power when I'm seeking my ways. But I can discover his power as I realize that life is in him. See, honestly, when we talk about his power, you know what we're really discussing? It's his, it's his presence. Right? What's our key verse? Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so 
Walk how? In him. Rooted, drawing from, and built up. He is the source in him. You see that? So that as a result, you're established in the faith. Now, it's a process as you were taught. That's why we're going to be talking about this for months. Don't feel like I'm short-sighted. You've said that before. Yeah, but are you doing it? See, some people say, I know what you're talking about. I would say, if you're not doing it, you don't know it. It's not head knowledge. It's living it forward. It's faith at work. It's living in Jesus. Now, this morning, my hope was that this is going to excite us. Wow. I can experience the wisdom of God every day of my life. And as I recognize his wisdom to bring glory to his son, I can draw from his power, which exceeds anything that I would ever imagine. And that's there for me. So we have emphasized for our benefit this promise, really, if you think about it. The path is there for us to see according to a purpose that's greater than us so that God can direct a power to affect our lives. With that, let me leave you with a plan. I'm not prone to alliteration. Many of you know that. I don't really try to match letters with this. I, I gave up on that years ago. My desire as a minister, it's just to try to put the truth in front of you and say, shouldn't you do something with this? I mean, if all we do now is say, yeah, that, that's nice, and you don't do anything with it, uh, something's wrong. We need to do something with it. No, here's the plan. If you have a connection already, the plan is, is listed there. If you don't, pick one up on your way out. Not surprisingly, the first part of the plan is to begin each day this week by reading a chapter of Colossians. You know, we're in the midst of, I guess, our fourth reading. Uh, tomorrow will be chapter three, chapter four, if you're with us. Um, if you have not been consistent, read tomorrow the next chapter where you left off. If you're with us for the first time tomorrow, in the New Testament, there's a little book called the book of Colossians. Find it in your table of contents, and tomorrow just read the first chapter. But as we read it, we do so prayerfully because it's a faith experience for us. We're asking God as we read to impress a lesson on our heart to help us to see something that we need to see. And as we see something that he helps us to recognize, we immediately ask him to help us to live it out, right? Uh, see, I've been trying to move you toward the power of Jesus in this all along. But that's what we do. And now here's the new element of our plan. Based on what we've learned today, number two, we ask God then to fill us, to fill you with his wisdom and understanding concerning the people and situations you face into the day ahead. Now, a simple way to do that is to break the day down. As you look at tomorrow morning, you're in front of the Lord, you're seeking the wisdom of the Lord, then try to visualize, if you could, who you're going to see, and what your responsibilities are for the morning. And then seek the wisdom of God. God, what, 
what do you want me to do? Now, we have our Bibles open, right? What, what do you want me to do? Then shift to the afternoon. Who are the people you're going to see? What are the responsibilities, the situations they're about to face? God, would you help me here? What's the path? What's the path? Then push it into the evening. Please push it into the evening. You're going to spend the evening more than likely with the people you love and value. Sometimes we kind of leave that as an afterthought. Now, we want the wisdom of God to bless the people we love the most, don't we? So you ask, now, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as that begins to happen, you prayerfully identify the path that the Lord would have you to take. And then you ask his help to walk it. Now, this sounds simpler than it is. Because more than likely, there will be some instances this week where he's going to lead you according to his will to reflect who he is in a way that's going to pull against what you emotionally want to do. And that's never easy. In that moment, who are you going to trust? You trust his leading and you act in faith. Now, let's be honest, in this journey, we're imperfect followers of Jesus Christ. Here, I've described a pattern. I'm not going to pretend that I'm perfect in the pattern, but let me stress with you, I know that the pattern is there. The wisdom is there. The opportunity is there. The only issue is, will I allow God, through his spirit and his word, to give me an understanding that moves me forward according to a path that is in front of me? Will I? And as I do, I act on that by faith. And then on Tuesday, I start over again. See how that works? Now, I'm not done. Step three kind of brings us back to where we've been. As you're praying, why not conclude your prayer by marveling over God's work of salvation on your behalf? That was our focus last week, and let me take you back to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in this inheritance of the saints of light. I mean, we didn't earn this privilege of access. By his wonderful mercy and grace, we have received it by faith in Jesus, his Son, which should cause us to be thankful and grateful, right? As I'm seeking a path, let me not approach it without gratitude. Let me acknowledge, dear God, I, I was on the path toward judgment until you rescued me. I don't ever want to lose sight of that. I want to be reminded of that. And as you're expressing gratitude for his wonderful gift of salvation, why not identify two other reasons to be thankful for the day at hand and just give thanks? Why not? You know? Now there's the plan. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to respond? Will we allow the Lord to Help us today, tomorrow, to find his path. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I'm thankful for the attentiveness of those gathered and for the opportunity to point them to you because at the end of it all, oh God, we need your help and wisdom. It gets so confusing in the midst of the world. 
Lord, thank you for the light of your word. Thank you for the gift of your spirit to help us find our way in the messiness of life. Teach us tomorrow to approach you in ways that that can happen in a fresh way. And then draw us back on Tuesday and again on Wednesday to live a life of faith so that with each of the days we might reflect a walk that is fully pleasing to you. Forgive us as we fail, but Lord, don't let our failure to prevent us from drawing near again and seeking a fresh revelation of of the path in front of us. So, Father, help us toward that end. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.